All right, y'all can go back and sit with your parents, or the toddlers can head back to uh, to nursery time. And thanks again, Paul and Stephanie, for teaching the kids stuff, and Regina as well. So make sure to tell Regina for being an awesome song leader this week. Um, yes. Um, you know, when I first came um, to Rocky Mount Baptist, I had been here a week. One week, and we had our vacation Bible school. And I just want to say a word of appreciation. Um, at that point, uh, we didn't have that many people that were able to be involved. So we did a one-day vacation Bible school. And um, those of you who were here during that time, you know who you are. We thank God for you. This past week, we had 167 people enrolled in vacation Bible school. Praise to the Lord. Praise God. You know, all, all the glory goes to Jesus. I saw so much selfless service. I mean, some of our, our food volunteers had to go run and get extra ice cream from the store. And for Rocky Mount Baptist Church, just, just where, where, where we've, we've come from and there's been so much faithfulness in the past and, and times that they were, they were just a little, little bit rough. People were faithful to come and to give and still share the gospel and love people. And through God's grace in your life, and so many of you adults, when you worked all day long and you got back just in time to get here, because we started at 6.30, you had not eaten dinner yet and you know it would be absolutely crazy. And in fact... If you're on Facebook, just go look up Rocky Mount Baptist Church and you will see a 13 second video spanning like this of absolute and complete pandemonium. It was great. It was awesome. It was so loud in here. The paint, we saw paint kind of started coming off the walls in some areas. But some of you, you gave sacrificially of your time. You came and you knew that you probably wouldn't get anything to eat except for a snack somewhere between 7 and 8 o'clock. But I just want to encourage each and every one of you that by doing that and by the preparation work, and I think, Deborah, you sent me a picture of the food people and stack in the back of Fred and Sharon's forerunner, absolutely full, danger load to where you couldn't see out the back at all. And some of you that also just invited your friends. You got on the phone, you got on the Internet, you went next door, you talked to people at the Y at the store, you brought people, and in the history of Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, from what anyone can remember, this is the biggest turnout and the biggest group that we've had to hear the gospel. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for your sacrifice. I want to thank you for your love and how you care for people. Because honestly, and we'll just mention this and then let it go, so many of us get so busy in life that we don't take time to take five minutes to tell people about Jesus who can save them from hell. And that's an indictment on most of the churches today, but praise God for your service. And uh, what we wanted to do this morning is transition, hopefully, into a series that we'll start next week called Through the Eyes of Jesus, uh, a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And we finished last week the book of Judges, and we looked at uh, the beginning of social decline and what we as believers in Jesus Christ are to do about that. But what we're going to do this morning is to camp out in Matthew chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, and we're going to address the subject of children. 
and of young people and of being parents and mentors in today's world. Matthew chapter 18, and we'll begin there in verse 1, and then we'll go all the way through verse 6. And if God gives us the grace, we'll unpack what this text has to say. But if you would, um, just bow your heads one more time with me, and we'll just ask God's special grace to open His Word to us today. Father, we know that it is not because of human intelligence or education, or whether we have great volunteers, a great choir, a great band, fantastic leadership, our Sunday school department, and all through this church, but Lord, it is only through the power of Your Holy Spirit that our efforts can amount to anything. You tell us in Your Word that unless the Lord is the one who builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And Father, we don't want to be a church that even though we're excited about what You have done and what we believe that You will do among us in the future, get to the place that the Israelites came to to where they were satisfied in achievements that they thought were their own. It's only because of You that we're alive. It's only because of You that the parents and the students and the children that were here, were here. So God, this is Your church. It is not mine. This is Your Word. It is not ours. But in Your graciousness and Your mercy, You have given us the revelation of Yourself. So we just ask for Your power for us to be able to explain it and understand it and apply it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them or in the midst of them and said, verse 3, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in My name receives Me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in Me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. The strong words from Jesus. The context here is almost childish when it's dealing with children. The disciples were together and they were debating about who was the greatest. Now, if you've been around kids for any amount of time, you know often it doesn't take long for kids to start telling everyone else about their accomplishment, does it, parents? Parents, you try to teach humility. You try to teach what the book of Proverbs says, that a wise man does not basically air his own accomplishments. And then your child wants to say, I'm the best person on the baseball team. I did this. I did that. And you're just thinking, oh no, I'm raising an arrogant person. So here's the disciples and they're gathered together. And and in context, there were some things that may have contributed to this. There was something called the transfiguration to where Jesus appeared in all of His glory to, to the top three or the closest three disciples. And Simon Peter was there and, and they saw heroes from the Old Testament. And if you were a disciple that weren't there, you may feel a little bit threatened. And then Simon Peter had some interesting things happen as well, such as Jesus said, let's go. Let's go fishing. He drops a line. He pulls a fish out of the water and the fish had in its mouth the amount of money that it took to 
to pay Peter's tax. It had some interesting things going on in the context of the disciples. And I don't know if, if you're like me, but sometimes if you see people who have been given success, they've been given some interesting or cool opportunities, you can almost in your heart kind of fold your arms and sit back and say, well, what about me? Does anyone notice me? How do I play into the success of this group? And they're trying to find out which one is greater. And here's our driving thought that I believe the Word of God wants us to grab a hold of this morning. And it's simply that greatness comes through humility. Greatness in any sense always comes through humility. Some of you remember decades ago Muhammad Ali who said, I am the the greatest. I'm the baddest man on the planet. Float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. We know Muhammad Ali very well. I don't know if I should start out a verse of Scripture. I don't know if we can, you know what I'm saying? We know that stuff. We know that our culture says, I want to be the greatest and the strongest and the most well-known. I want to be the most attractive. I want to be the, the wealthiest. But the Word of God portrays these similar situations that we encounter, but gives totally different answers. Now notice there, um, in the beginning of verse One, these disciples are asking the question, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Do you realize that the subject that they were addressing was correct? The subject they were addressing was correct. In fact, very few people today that I've talked to, I say, you know, how are you doing? What are you thinking about? How are things going in your life? And they say, Jeff, I'm just really concerned about where I'm going to be in the kingdom of heaven. Most of the time, most of us today, we just think about the here and now, don't we? You say, hold on, Jeff. I'm a Christian. I go to church. I read my Bible. Okay, here's the question. What stresses you out most? What brings you the most emotional anguish? Is it, am I where I should be with Jesus? Did I pass up a chance this past week to share about Him with someone else? Have I been faithful? Have I really been seeking Him in prayer as to how I can pray for and financially support missionaries? Is there someone in my life that I've just overlooked and they are desperately in need of encouragement? And when we think and pray along those lines and the Holy Spirit points out an area that we, we just looked over, it brings us stress and it brings us emotional grief as if to say, could I have disappointed my Lord? But for most of us, the things that stress us out The things that cause us to stay up late at night are things not really having to do with the Lord Jesus. So the disciples, they were on target with the scope of their question, but, but, but the way that they actually figured, the way that they figured the equation was wrong. So their focus was on the right subjects, but their figures were not. This was a potential of Jesus' followers to be a group who had great potential for good, but have you ever noticed the potential for good within a church? For example, a church, when they come together, we pull together our finances, don't we? We get together a thing called a budget. And in most Baptist churches, budgets can cause disagreements. Have you ever been in one of those, right? Not let's talk about it, but let's get together and fight about it. There's great potential for the Gospel when we get together. But have you ever known or have you been a part of a group to where it started off good, it started off we're here for Jesus, but then it ends up like a cat fight. 
That's what had happened here. These guys have been called by Jesus to serve with Jesus. Their goal is correct. They want to do something great for God. The kingdom of heaven is in focus, but their equations are all wrong. And here's where their equation went wrong. How do I get a place in what is great? You know, true freedom in Jesus Christ comes from when we come to the point where we say, Lord... I'm not going to ask whether I'm the greatest, but I'm going to ask whether I can be involved with the greatest mission. You see the difference? It's not whether we can get the most notoriety or which class had the most people at vacation Bible school, but it's that I want to be involved in something greater than myself, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the disciples' question, if you're taking notes, was who is the greatest? And notice how Jesus changes the scenario and shocks everyone. He says in verse number 2, Matthew records, and Jesus called what? A child to Himself and set Him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted or unless you are changed and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So the question is, what is the standard of greatness? And Jesus uses a child. Now there's some people, and some of you, and it's just different people are wired different ways. Some of you kids stress you out. You hear a child, and all of a sudden your blood pressure begins to go up. You look at kids, you say, I have no idea what to do. Others of you flock to it. There are some of you that say, can I volunteer, Jeff, an extra week in the nursery to be able to help out? I love kids. And this past week, I don't know... I, th- I think we're over that. I think that was a thing maybe that was decades in the past. But we had this area covered um, with stuff to protect the carpet. And we, on Tuesday night and Wednesday night, there were a couple of victims that were pied by the kids. Kids who brought the most guests and visitors and friends. And I tell you what, I almost... It was so awesome because only at Rocky Mount Baptist Church can you come and have all of these kids screaming and, and they're just enjoying it and see one of the top law enforcement officials in Franklin County get smashed in the face with a pie. We'll not name any names. It was awesome. And to see that, and Paul was such a good sport on, on Tuesday night, he came up here and, and when, uh, you know, after she got the pie, just bang and stuff went all over the place and the kids, it was almost like minus the bloodshed and minus the horribleness of the first century Roman college. See them. I mean, you just look out and all these kids are just, yeah, yeah, smash them with the pie. You know, and I'm thinking, my goodness, we just, you know, hopefully we'll keep this a Jesus event. I mean, there were, last night, kids just get into things so much. There was a kid who was, I, I don't know if this was safety first, but our volunteers and teachers were doing the best they could. But I don't know if he was standing on the top of the pew, but he was definitely standing on going, me, me, me. And then Morgan's like, okay, Jeff is going to get smashed. Let's get the most aggressive aggressive kid we can find. So pick the kid and he's banging or rubs it all over my face and kids are going crazy. And one thing that I noticed about kids, actually a couple of things. Number one is kids think very concretely. There was one uh, young man and I said, have you ever been to a vacation Bible school before? He said, yeah, I went to one before, but uh, it was fun, but we, we didn't go on a vacation. You know, we didn't go anywhere. I mean, it was, it was good though. You know, it was kind of like, you know, the whole bait and switch type of deal. So, you know, that's just the, the bill of goods that he was sold. But he's like, it's all good. We're good. Kids think concretely. When Jesus says, adults, go into all the world 
and make disciples of every nation, He means go into all the world and make disciples of every nation. But some of us, when we hear those basic but yet profound commands, we say, that's good. There are people called to go there. There are people called to reach people who are not like me in Franklin County. But what I will do in my, quote, Christian walk, which that's simply often, if we can just be very honest, can we do that? Rocky Mountain Baptist Church? Can you give me an amen? Y'all all right? I don't know. All right. Well, what we can do sometimes is we put the label Christianity on a product that if we took the label off and examined the contents, would simply say it's all about me. We have asterisks on our obedience where children come and they say, Jesus said it, Jesus is Lord, I love Him, I'll do it. The faith of a child. We see with kids that they're so willing to be involved, aren't they? I mean, you take a kid and, and just, I mean, we, on the second night of VBS, or maybe it was the third, um, we didn't have the little, uh, miniature ushers come up. We just had a, a, an offering plate right here. And we said, what we're going to do for the offering is you can get out of your seat and come place your offering right here. And they all did that. And there was, there was one guy, um, and he just, just little guy. He, he's, he wanted to help so much. He wanted to be an usher. He's like, man, I want to do something. And he gets the plate from right here and then just takes a few steps out here. He's just a little guy. And it's just like he's holding this plate that was heavy for him, but he wanted to help. And I think, all right, that's twice this weekly that I've had to survive. One was, Anyway, you guys, go, go on Facebook. That's all I'm going to say. Go on Facebook and you'll check out the videos of your pastor uh, attempting to get a bushwhacked with pies and so forth. It will bring joy to your heart, I guarantee you. But when we look at what children are willing to be involved with, they, they, they look at something that, that, that is inherently good and is inherently Jesus-driven and Jesus-saturated, and they say, I want in on that. But if you're like me, once you get... Into adult years, we have all of these fears. And, and, and if we can use the P word this morning, we have all of these preferences. Like I know for some of you, the fact that we don't have the pulpit up here, which by the way, if anybody ever came, if I was preaching anywhere and somebody came in with guns blazing, Brad, for the preacher, I would want it to be at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Our pulpit is so big and so thick, I could just sit down and have a lunch and examine all the crevices and the holes. And Barry, I could do some climbing underneath there. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. Sometimes we get so worked up on preferences. Things like, where's the pulpit? Well, where's Jesus? And if we have the most ornate pulpit in the, on the planet, but yet Jesus is not being made much of, and, and we don't have people reaching out to precious little children, most of which uh, don't come from Christian families. And I know there's, there's some of our folks that are gone today, and they probably wisely time that vacation. They say, after you know vacation Bible school, I'm going to take my vacation. And some of the parents, you need to pray for them. The kids probably, mom, dad, mom, dad, they think their parents are in a coma after having to recover after vacation Bible school. But when we look at children, their willingness to be involved with what Jesus says is good, that's the testimony. That's one of the aspects that Jesus is wanting us to look at. And notice once again there in verse 3. He says, truly I say to you, unless you become converted or unless you are changed, you're like a little child. Not only, catch this, Bible readers, not only will you not have 
a high place in heaven, but you won't even get there. In other words, what Jesus is saying, if we can be very, very honest, if you don't come to the point to where you are willing to trust God with everything you have and everything you are, in other words, come to God and say, God, I lay everything at your feet. Jesus is saying that you will not get into heaven because God does not make deals. Jesus calls people to come and die. When Jesus always called someone, it was to give up something. Not simply come to church. And I think we have so many people across America that I pray and I hope, even Rocky Mount Baptist Church, that we have come past the point of saying following Jesus equals attending a meeting. Amen? Following Jesus is a lifestyle. It's where we get up in the morning and we say, Jesus, today is yours. This is your day. It is your oxygen. It is your life. And I am yours and you are mine, like the old song says. And when you do that, you will experience a transformation inside your life. And I've talked to so many adults. They say, Jeff, I want to get my family in church. I know I should be a better example to my kids, be a better mom, be a better dad, but I'm just not exactly sure where to start. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of change the direction of the ocean liner of our family's life after it's been going in one direction for so long? According to Jesus, it's one word and it's called repent. And for some people, that's such a negative. It's such a repulsive. It's such an unusual. It's such an awkward word. But with Jesus, when we repent and we turn to Him, we're turning to the God of the universe who says, come to Me, all you who are weary and what church? Heavy laden. And I will give you rest. You see, Satan wants us to to think, well, you know, that's just a verse in the Bible. That's just kids stuff and BBS stuff. And we have things on the stage and, you know, that'll be gone and we'll do it again next year. But when we understand that God is the one with open arms because He's given His Son Jesus that offers us Himself, it's not a dirty thing. It's not a humiliating thing. Although when we come to Him, we come humbly. It's a life-changing thing. Let me give you several texts that will hopefully cast some more light upon what Jesus is saying. Matthew chapter 19, verse 14. The Bible says, Let the little children come unto Me and hinder them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Mark chapter 10, verse 15. The Bible says, Truly I say unto you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a child shall not enter it. In Jewish culture, Children were not valued as they are now. They were definitely of value in terms of that is the future of the nation. But if you wanted status in first century Judaism, it was if you were an older person. Now today in America, everything is for the kids, right? Even some things that are not actually for the kids. All right, y'all okay? Some things are sold, this is for the kids, when it's actually not for the children's benefit at all. But when Jesus breaks down the idea of becoming like a child, He's saying that you have to be willing to become one who has no social standing. No voice. No, here's what I think. We come to the Father and we say, I'm here reporting for duty. See, Jeff, you said just a few months ago that the main idea was that greatness comes through humility. What are these requirements? How do do you come to that point of humility? Number one, Jesus says in verse 3, unless you turn or unless you are converted. Literally, this means turn from pride. 
He called the child, and the child did what? The child came. Jesus got the child and basically was saying, come right here and have the child stand in the midst of them. It's an interesting thing in church today, and I know it, it depends upon certain churches to where they, they don't do an invitation, some do. I think that, that it's good to do it if the Lord leads. But I've talked to some adults and they say, you know what? I'll follow Jesus, but I won't do anything in front of people. Notice what the child did. Jesus said, come and stand in the midst. And the child came and stood in the midst. And we'll get to you intellectuals in just a second. Children are willing to participate. Pride always says that I'm the exception. You ever notice that? Have you thought about that in depth? That pride says, you know what? Jesus says to do this, but because I'm not comfortable to go where Jesus called me to go, I'm going to try to craft an excuse for me that says, you know what? I need something else. I need another guarantee from Jesus. Listen, when Jesus gives us His Word, that's the greatest guarantee that you'll ever need. Amen, church? There's no greater guarantee than the fact that Jesus calls, especially for parents. And we pray that God encourages you through this message. That God can work through your life to benefit and lead your kids to Jesus Christ. So number one, to become like a child in God's eyes, we have to turn from pride. Secondly, we trust God with childlike humility. Let me give you another text if you want to write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. The Bible says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. You say, now hold on. It seems like the Bible is telling us on one hand, don't be like a child. And the other hand, Jesus says, be like a child. Here's the difference. We can think childishly like this. Everything has to revolve around me, or otherwise I'm not going to be involved with it. Or we can be like a child in the sense that we trust the Father. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school earlier. You know, how many little kids, and by the way, I mean, we praise God for the children that He's brought here. Amen? And Lord willing, the second Sunday in the month of September, we've got some great volunteers that are putting together a children's church so we'll be able to serve families as well. I mean, God has just done so many great things through your service at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. But when we think about children, especially the the little bitty ones, and the parents say, all right, honey, it's time to get in the car. We're going to go, we're going to go to the park. I don't know about you, but how many little, the, the, the little children, Get out a little checklist and grab a little crayon and say, Dad, have you checked the oil lately? Have you checked the tire pressure, Dad? And they're just saying it like they're little kid talks. You can barely understand them. You know, when they're just like waxing eloquent and in their mind, they're like teaching you exactly how Shakespeare got from point A to point Z and so forth. But you can't understand anything that they're saying. And the kid says, Dad, exactly how long or what is our ETA? No, little kids don't do that because, thinkers go with me, it is a properly basic belief. It is an absolutely and entirely totally reasonable thing for a small child to trust their parents. In fact, you have to give a little kid reasons and reasons and reasons and reasons for them not to trust daddy, for them to come to that point. What Jesus is getting at here 
is that the fact that God is real and because He has sent His Son, when we place our faith in Jesus and we simply follow what He says, not out of trying to earn His love, but because we have it, we are A, enabled to live for Him. That is the true faith of a child. See, now Jeff, I'm a thinker. I'm an intellectual. That's great as long as you ask the right, the right questions. Do we all realize that there is nothing more childish There is no greater example of childish thinking than thinking that revolves around us. Children are naturally trusting, but we also know that children are born sinners. If you don't believe that, talk to a school teacher. We know that children are naturally born with the desire to look at something and grab it and pull it close and say, Mine! And if they're in nursery, to find something that another kid has and to take that for themselves. And a whole lot doesn't change in adulthood unless the grace of God comes in. But yet we as adults have to step back, step to the side, and ask God to help us to examine our life because if what benefits us is of supreme value, then we're simply childish instead of the faith of a child. The point here is that children are of extraordinary value. Amen, church? I mean, the fact that we value children is biblical. So because of that, especially if you're a parent, the example that you set for them, if through God's grace, He gives you the ability to model the character of Jesus and ask forgiveness of your wife or your husband within the context of the home so they can see biblical forgiveness, see the character of Jesus, that will produce eternal blessings. But if by your example and if by your words you give them the idea that Jesus is not of value, then that will bring eternal condemnation. Notice how Jesus finishes this up. This is very heavy, but it's in the text. He says in verse 6, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in Me to stumble, it would be better for him to have, check this out, a heavy millstone one that, it, that like an ox would drag around to crush grain, hung around his neck, and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. The word here for stumbling is the Greek word scandalon, where we get our English word scandal. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that true humility is a stepping stone, you see, to help people come to Christ, whereas pride is a stumbling block. And may God give us grace and mercy, even if there have been mistakes, to say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to go back to my children. This is even if your children are grown. This is always the most difficult part when you're ever speaking on the family. When you deal with children who are grown and there have been mistakes there, for example, you didn't pray with them growing up. The Bible was not read in the evenings. The things of God were not spoken about. You go back to them, You sit down and you say, Honey, there's been a change in mom's life. There's been a change in your dad's life. And we're ready to make much of Jesus. You may not believe it at first, but what we want to do is to try to build that bridge back to the Lord Jesus Christ. The question is, is our example pushing our children away from Jesus? Or is it making much of Jesus? There's a... um, Back in the 90s, it was very big. Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Have you ever, any, anybody ever seen that? It's like a live drama 
There's a scene in the movie to where there's a dad who doesn't know Jesus and his son. And the dad is telling his son that sports, making money, looking out for number one, that's the point of life. And the kid turns to his dad and says, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. The scene changes. There's a car wreck. They're standing for the judgment seat. They're before God. And then, obviously, some of this, this may be a little bit more theatrical than fully theological, but the point gets across. Satan comes out and tells the dad the words that the boy said. And the boy was definitely of the age of accountability. And he says, Dad, I want to be just like you. Eternal condemnation. Notice what Jesus says back one verse before. In verse number 5, And whoever receives one such child in My name receives Me. The fact that you would get down on your knee and you would sit down around the dinner table and ask your family, can we pray for you? And you pray. You may after the meal just read a verse, a passage, a, a small pericope of Scripture. And in doing that, they realize Jesus means something to you. The Word of God tells us that there is an eternal blessing. And don't let Satan tell you for a minute that months, years, or decades of being an example that pulls people away from Christ cannot be corrected by one instance of repentance. The grace of God is stronger than sin. The love of God is stronger than any pride we have. But one thing that all of us adults must come to is a point where we realize, men and women, that greatness comes through humility. Humility.